Welcome to Let Me Know How It Is, a pop culture podcast about TV, movies, comics, and all things geek. Today, we spotlight writer-producer extraordinaire Dwayne McDuffie. Thanks for listening. All right, we have another spotlight episode tonight where we focus on a specific movie, show, or creator. Today, we celebrate the birth of one of the greats, Dwayne McDuffie. I'm Zach Slater. I'm Frank Melman. This is Tommy Smith of Reigns. And I'm Clifton. All right. So, uh, listeners, I'm going to hit you with it right away. Dwayne McDuffie is such an important creator in the world of comics. I'm not sure that in the time we have that we're going to be able to do his career justice, but we're going to try. So uh, let's do his bio first. Dwayne McDuffie was born February 20th, 1962 in Detroit, Michigan. He graduated from University of Michigan with a bachelor's in English and a master's in physics. He then later attended film school at New York University's Tisch School of the Arts. But even at an early age, you could see Dwayne was a special talent. He attended the Roper School in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan, which is a school for gifted children where he met lifelong friend and fellow writer Matt Wayne. In The League of One, the Dwayne McDuffie story, that's a documentary feature that you can find on the Justice League Doom Blu-ray. Uh, it was revealed by his colleagues that Dwayne McDuffie attended college at the early age of 10. 10 years old. Wow. He was a genius by any standard. Fans might know him from his work in animation. He was a writer, story editor, and producer for Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, along with Bruce Timm, James Tucker, and Rich Fogel. Later, he would revamp the popular Ben 10 series with Ben 10 Alien Force and Ben 10 Ultimate Alien. Uh, He would go on to write three of the DC animated straight-to-video features, including All-Star Superman. As great as all that sounds, his work in comics is even more impressive, where he worked on such characters as Firestorm, Justice League, Fantastic Four, Deathlock, and created damage control over at Marvel, which was later featured in Spider-Man Homecoming, if you guys remember. But he's probably best remembered and most importantly known as one of the creators and co-founders of Milestone Media, a comic book company whose mission was to better represent minorities in the comics industry. There he created or helped create Icon, Rocket, the Blood Syndicate, Hardware, and probably the most popular of them all, Static which was later adapted into a wildly successful Static Shock animated series on Kids WB, where he worked as a writer. Sadly, this week isn't just the week of his birthday, but also the anniversary of his passing. Dwayne McDuffie passed just one day after his 49th birthday, survived by his wife and mother. So let's start with Milestone. All right, so Milestone was an imprint through DC. This started off in, hold on a second. Was it 93? Yeah, 93, exactly. It started with a... Basically, a coalition of uh, African-American writers, writers and artists, Dwayne McDuffie, Dennis Cohen, Michael Davis, and Derek T. Dingle were the four that started Milestone. And then, like you said before, they you know, believed that minorities were severely underrepresented in American comics. And Milestone Media was basically their, um, their attempt to rectify that situation, to correct that imbalance. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it was, and looking stuff over for, um, for this episode... You find that that McDuffie basically wrote the Bible for all those characters. Like he's the one that basically mapped out, um, you know, like you said, Static, Icon, Rocket, all the Blood Syndicate, Hardware. You know, basically, if there's a character that's that you liked from Milestone, Dwayne McDuffie was the one that <laughs> that pretty much gave them their backstory. You know, their power set, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like anybody, like you know, these some of these characters. It was funny when I was looking at the IMDb page for him. There was mentions like in Young Justice for him being there, and it was because of 
character creation, right? Because Young Justice obviously right. came out far far later after he passed. But you know, like you know, we talk about the blood syndicates, like Holocaust, and that he was in. Um, he's in, I believe, in one of the episodes where it's like uh, a roulette. He's fighting somebody in the in roulette's mm-hmm. world or roulette's um, arena. But obviously, Icon and Rocket appeared in Young Justice. Um, like you said, Static had his own show. Yeah. But in the in the comics, like I said, he created all those characters. Like the Shadow Cabinet's another book that he created that I think spun out of. Um, I want to say it spun out of the crossover with the Superman titles because they, they did an event called the Long Hot Summer, and that was something that happened. But yeah, like there's just you know I look at the list of all these characters, and it's amazing to me that you know all of these he had, you know he created every single one and then wrote like i said wrote this bible i mean i don't think the bible's yeah. ever ever been published i don't know if the bible's ever shown up anywhere if it's got you know got uh the ability to, to put that out but i would love to see you know the thought process and the the the, the character creation for yeah. all these characters that bible was instrumental in getting them um like partnered up with dc mm. from what i remember so you know they um they had that Bible, which, you know, like you said, like a lot of it was Dwayne McDuffie's ideas and backstory for like this whole world for this, you know, what was later known as like the Dakota universe, because it was Dakota City that all like all these characters all all inhabited. Right. And the Bible made its way to Paul Levitz and he took it home and read it over a weekend and then like called him up like on a Monday or Tuesday. And he's like, we should talk. Right. And that's how essentially like DC became like their publisher. but. Mm-hmm. But DC had had like no editorial like 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 responsibility for them, right? Like they were in control of, of their books completely. Right. Well they had they had everything the copyright the whole they, they DC was just a means for them to publish the books. Yeah. Right. Exactly. That was the way it was supposed to be. And then, you know, they would find from time to time that DC would be uncomfortable with something they were doing or didn't want that, you know, or ask them sure. to change stuff. But um yeah, I mean it was, you know, for me at the time I read them as they came out. And it was, it was, you know, I was so much in the, into the milestone stuff. I just found, I was going through some stuff maybe a month ago and I found my trading card set for, oh yeah, for, <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have the full trading card set for, for the milestone stuff. And what it was cool about it was it obviously had all the characters, you know, from the, from the universe, but it also had like people behind, like basically like, you know, Marvel had the bullpen, like the same thing where these are like all the people that work in the office as well mm-hmm. as the creators. So you could actually have like creator cards too. Wow. And I found all the nine pocket sheets filled with these milestone cards and I hadn't seen them in forever, but you know, I love those books. Those books were great. You know, um, static, I think we've talked about before being that, yeah. you know, another, another important, you know, as important to me as Peter Parker, when you're talking yeah. about teenage superheroes, you know, it's Peter Parker, it's uh, Mark Grayson from Invincible, it's Kamala Khan, and then it's, it's static. But I mean, it's one of the things, you know, it's um, or Virgil Hawkins, I should say. Right. But, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I love, but I loved all of them. I think they were all really good books. They were really solid for a long, long time. Yeah, my my brother was really into Static when it was coming out. I, I was I was a little young mm-hmm. for the Milestone stuff, like as as it was coming out. But I remember like like Spider Man's like my brother's favorite character ever, and so like, and he he was like really really into Static. But he read all of that stuff, right? But um, yeah, I mean, my my understanding of it though was like McDuffie was really um. He was really conscious about trying to have like each of those books have like a different feel. Yeah. Right. So it was like Icon was like the traditional superhero book mm-hmm. and yeah. Static was like your Spider-Man archetype, your teenage, you know, uh, superhero thing. And and hardware was a little darker and Blood Syndicate was kind of like the 90s edgy, 
you know, team book. Well, I mean, basically, I mean, basically, like you said, Static is your is your teenage superhero, and Virgil's, you know, Virgil's kind of much, you know, kind of like the the nerdy kid in the burbs, you know, who right. gets superpowers because he's at the Big Bang event when the, when this gas gets released. No spoilers. Right. It's you know, it's I know it's spoiler for some people because it's just been finally released in places like Comicsology where you can finally get like I think the first, at least the first trade. Right. But um, and then you had like you said, Blood Syndicate, which was a book about a gang. You know, they were the team book and they were, you know, they were, they were gangbangers. And then there was like, you know, a good mix of, it was a, it was one of those things where you had an ensemble cast that was, um, of a lot of different minorities. So it was one of those things where you got to see a lot of different walks of life. And then that not everybody, even though, you know, not everybody got along, not everyone, you know, was down with the cause of whatever someone else's cause was. So there was a lot of interplay there. Sure. Hard, uh, hardware was kind of an Iron Man type book, but the, the thing about it was, um, and I remember it being that they use the idea of, you know, what happens when you, and, and it was very meta, the idea that what happens if you, if like you create something for a company and they don't want to, you know, they don't want to give you credit and more importantly, they want to rip you off. Right. Which I thought was, you know, it was very interesting for the idea of working like for the big two, you know, yeah. to have that be the, the, well, the I think, the I think that there was some, some actual like real life stuff that he was drawing upon there. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, right. I don't, I don't know what you tripped over in your notes, but, but you know, my, my understanding of it is that when he was, when he was getting his, his masters in physics, he had created some code or something like that that ended up being like used mm. in like in like cruise missile technology. Yeah, and he was never consulted on it. He was absolutely like like never consulted on it whatsoever, uh. and and that was like one of the things. Like apparently, that was one of the. Uh, you know, I, I I heard in the documentary through like Matt Wayne and stuff like that that like the that was one of the reasons why he started going towards film school and started mm. pulling in that direction. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Cause a lot of a lot of hardware is that way with because uh, Alva, his boss, is like you know basically kind of kind of grooms him along and like you know like you know he's he's grooming along is kind of his, his protege, his son, and then the, you find out that Alva's into some bad stuff and using a lot of his technology for bad stuff. So, but it's a good one too. And then there's um. Icon and Icon basically is the idea of you know if Superman came to Earth as an alien and then he imprints on a um, a slave family in the 1800s yeah and then lives to present day you know it's you know it, it it's long before the idea of like uh, Calvin Ellis Superman or Sunshine Superman in the in the Grant the Grant Morrison Animal Man stuff where you have a Superman that's a person of color yeah and ha- and how that would play out and the idea yeah. that um you know, Rocket is the voice of conscience in that book and saying, listen, there's so much more you could do for your people, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was one of the, the um, controversial aspects about Icon. I remember is that when, when, um, you know, when you get to present day after he's lived through like slavery and civil rights and all that yeah. stuff, you get to present day stuff. He's a conservative. Yeah, very much. He's so. a conservative black man. And, and, yeah. and, and that was, that was like controversial at the time. Yeah. It, yeah. It's very, I mean, she very much gets in his face and is like, I can't, you know, you, you basically sat here and just watched all this stuff happen. And you chose, you know, this is, you know, after these people basically took you in and showed you the compassion and, and, you know, love. And then you basically sat back and did nothing with all your abilities for all this time. And then right. sort of, you know, it's almost the idea of like putting this, you know, you need to, you need to, you need to do more with what you've been given. Yeah. So, yeah, but they're great. I mean, great books. Um, if I remember correctly on that one, like Mark D. Brake does the book. Mm-hmm. I can't remember who does a lot of the other ones. I know John Paul Leon was on Static, okay. right? Yeah, yeah. Which is co-written by McDuffie and Robert Washington. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they were saying that um, with uh, Michael Davis, that Michael Davis's um, 
his older sister and, and he were basically the, the the template or the base of the basics for for static and his sister. I read that in, in, oh, in yeah? the article. Mm -hmm. They okay. were saying that, that that was that basically, yeah, the character's family life and background were specifically based on Michael Davis's own family, including his late sister. And I got that from um, Leaving Cool. They were talking about an article about the fact that for some reason Michael Davis was. Was it was a co-founder, but they they've suddenly shied away from it for some reason. But I don't know more about that. But that was the thing that I thought was interesting. More importantly, was the fact that his family was the basis for Virgil's family. So, mm. yeah, I think Static of those four was sort of the 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 last one to come together. Mm -hmm. I think was was my understanding. But I mean, they would do other books too, like Zombie and and you know, Cobalt I mean, it wasn't and, just those four, right? And, and Milestone went strong for for you know whatever what four years or so i mean they put yeah. they put a lot of books out in that time yeah because again like i said shadow cabinet was one of the, the one of the better spinoffs they had cobalt which was a character that was in um really was in hardware and then they had my name is holocaust which was a book about just the member holocaust from shadow cabinet mm. but you know they had like they had spinoff minis or spinoff books and they were they did they went really really strong for like a good four years and then yeah. it kind of fell victim to Either people not, you know, like um, like Robert Washington or Dwayne McDuffie went to do, weren't on the books, and you could immediately tell the quality of the books changed. Mm. And then I think the the biggest thing was the 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 thing that did it like was the the this issue of Static where they wanted to have the cover originally had Static Virgil in in a bed on on a bed with his girlfriend like kissing, and there were condoms nearby. Yep. And DC and and you know shied away from it. Yeah, it was apparently a big fight. Yeah, they had a very was, big fight. Was, was my understanding of you know researching it, right? Yeah, and then there was the, the it was basically they, they were DC stance was they didn't want to use sex to sell comics, which is you know right. it's a funny it's a funny time to take a stance on that particular issue. Yeah, and that you know when when the guy that was telling them that they couldn't do it had a picture. It was an issue of Legionnaires number sixteen <laughs> with an Adam Hughes with an Adam Hughes cover of Dream Girl and her you know her she's wearing a thong practically. Mm. Right. I mean, it's yeah. no, no, no offense against Adam Hughes, but it's, it's, it's Adam, typical Adam Hughes art. And then, um, and then on top of that, it was just like the, they basically milestone stance was the idea that it wasn't so much sexuality. That was the problem. It was black sexuality being expressed. Right. And that was kind of a uh, thing yeah. for them to want to be a part of. So. Yeah, and, and the attempt was to was to put out something authentic, right? Because he, yeah. they were, they were like, they're like Virgil's 15. Like this is like, right. what do you think? 15 year olds are doing right he's sure, making well, out I with mean, his girlfriend on the couch and and right and you know there they are the condoms over there like on on you know on, on the end table or whatever yeah. it was and yeah well yeah i mean it's not i mean it was never a message of being irresponsible of all the characters i would say that in a milestone like virgil hawkins would you know would do the smart right thing i mean that's right. the character so what happened with the cover though they put it they actually put a cover over it so it's, it's got a <laughs> it's got the main cover and then it's got a cover that overlays over top so that you can just see the two of them. It looks like there's the two of them kissing like in a, and I think it's in a heart. We'll have to pull it yeah, up and put it on. Yeah. They're, framed it on. In, they're framed in a heart. It's like a die cut cover. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Where you turn the next page and then you see the, the, you know, the two of them. And the funny thing is, again, when I think about teenage superheroes, there's a similar, Tommy, wouldn't you say there's a similar issue with, with, um, with Mark and his girlfriend at the time? You mean in, in, in Invincible? Yeah. Yeah. Where they're, where they're getting, the, where it's the same thing where they're considering whether or not to have sex and then, you know, and they're fumbling around. Like, so the cover basically is the two of them on a bed, <laughs> and nobody, you know, nobody bats an eye. Nobody says two words about it. Oh, it's not it. even brought up. It's the fact that the fact that you mentioned it now. There's no controversy involving that issue at all. No. Yeah. 
No. Not even a little yeah, bit, yeah. but it's it's pretty much the exact same. I mean, well, now that I think about it, it is the exact same situation, exact same situation, and the exact same moment where teenage, you know, you know, teenagers are deciding whether or not to have, you know, sex for the first time, and then obviously there's there's fumfering around and there's condoms, and it's not there's no controversy. Yeah, so, not right. Not even think about that. Yeah, but I think we're getting away from the whole I think about talk about Dwayne McDuffie. <laughs> but no, but no, it's good that you mentioned because that's the reason why I think that most of the contributions made a difference is his trying to um, push the status quo of what was occurring, you know? And right, yeah, sure. he depicted that in his books, it came a result of what he wanted to do and what he wanted it to change, you know? Yeah. Well, I think, I think it's one of those things where I think that's, you know, we talked about it. I know you and I talked about the idea of, um, like, I think this is the, like Virgil Hawkins is another thing when I thought about this episode was, I think about it as like the first place that we saw the black nerd culture start. Mm-hmm. And you can tell me, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I think it's one of those things where like that, because he was so much a, you know, he's very much, you don't, and it's one of the things where it's sad because you just don't see a lot of that. And, and then I, and then I think now of like something that's come out in the last year or so, like um, Lovecraft Country, right? No, yeah. No, you're hundred percent correct. Tick's character is the same way where you're like, he's got, you know, like they talk about favorite books and you know, you can tell that they're in science fiction and you can tell that they're in a time, you know, like all that stuff, like time travel stuff to those characters is nothing. And I think Virgil was the same way. Like I can remember if it was full on Star Trek or something along those lines that he was into, I can't remember. No, but it's basically a whole thing of actual um, Afrofuturism in which um, you have a lot of, uh, it's, it's strongly depicted as seeing a lot of black people who are engulfed in embracing sci-fi and um, mm-hmm. horror or things of that nature. But no, I agree with you. It started the early 90s is when that really starts to pick up steam yeah. and more people uh, key up on seeing appearances of different people. I mean, Hell, you could even uh, uh, attribute that too to um, Navar Burton. Yeah, I could see that too. Yeah, you're right. Star, in, in Star Trek Next Generation. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I can see that as Jordy LaFord, mm-hmm. sure. But yeah, but in the 90s, I'm sure that Virgil, I mean, like, you know, it was cutting edge, which which is sad that it's like, you know, I mean, like, right. you know, there's, you know, millions of, <laughs> there's, right. you know, m- millions of nerds out there. And, and like, and the idea that like it, it took till 1993 right for there to, to be a black of, one in comic books right to get some kind of representation yeah well i mean like it's another you know it's it's one of those things where it's another one where um where i don't think you know and it's on a smaller thing like if, you, if anyone's ever watched arrow or watched their depiction of how they had mr terrific they get curtis holt was clearly you know black nerd culture all the way mm-hmm. right and it's one of the things where like when i think about it when i think about where for me i know like my first knowledge when it was this was was definitely with with uh, static and with Virgil, because that was some place that, you know, you, you know, it was just kind of like, well, of course, why wouldn't someone, a person of color, you know, enjoy that same stuff and, and have a favorite, have favorite novels and have favorite comics and all that kind of stuff. Not that I didn't, and not that I didn't know people that had all that, but it's one of the things where to see it depicted in the comic was, you know, good revolutionary and surprisingly sad revolutionary at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Static out of all of them appeared to be like sort of the, the most successful, I would think, because I mean, you know, TV show mm-hmm. had a TV show, had a, had a TV show that, that, you know, was very successful and very successful without a toy line and without yeah. merchandising and stuff like that, which, you know, in animation, that's, that's almost what it's all about. I mean, like that, that pretty much like merchandising and toy lines is more or less is what's going to dictate whether or not your show is getting made. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and the fact that it went, whatever it went, four seasons? Four seasons, totally yeah. four, 52 episodes from 2000, 2004. Yeah. yeah. Which yeah. he worked on, but he wasn't yeah. a producer on, which, mm-hmm. which is a, a, a funny thing. Right. To me. Like, yeah. You know, 
Yeah, he wrote, a, but he did. He he wrote a fair amount of it, right? Yeah, he did. He yeah, he wrote the pilot of it. Apparently, wrote the pilot in a day. Okay, from from what from what Alan Burnett and Steve Berger would say on that on that uh, documentary that I checked out on the wow. on the Justice League Doom DVD, which you know, which he mm-hmm. wrote that as well. Um, right. It's an awesome documentary. You should check it out. But yeah, they, you know, wrote, wrote it quick. Apparently, like that that was that was um, you know, a trait of his style. Like you know. Mm-hmm. Like he, he was, he was a very fast script writer. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it's, 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 I'm looking at the list here from wiki and it says there one, two, three, four, five, I think 11. Yeah. 11 episodes. Yeah. Out of 52. Yeah. Out of 52, he wrote or, t- or did the, gave the, either wrote, gave the story or the teleplay for. So, yeah. 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 I mean, you know, it's, it's you know I agree. The static was definitely the most up until I'd say up until Young Justice because it was always fun to play the game of who's in the background of Young Justice, right? You know, and it would yeah. be not, you know, and and the idea that Icon was a full on member of the league mm-hmm. and Rocket was part of the team was always cool. Yeah, um, super cool. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so so you read the Frank, you read the milestone stuff as it was coming out and everything. Mm-hmm. So like, um, Clifton, Tommy, when did you guys like? When did you know Dwayne McDuffie as a name? Well, I came fairly late as far as um. My introduction. So, unfortunately, like Frank, Frank read Milestone. I didn't even know Milestone existed until uh, Justice League. Okay. Yeah, that's when I was introduced to because of I, I want to say Justice League Unlimited is when I really came onto the scene of him being a great writer and mm-hmm. um, my exposure to him. How about you, Clifton? Mine knowing him as a name was late. Mm-hmm. Probably in his animated work was the first time I, I would see his name. You know, popping up in credits to the point where I'm like, well, I keep seeing this name. Who is this guy? Mm-hmm. Like, I should really look him up. And then I would look him up and find out that I had been reading his work for years. <laughs> right. Because like before, <laughs> like we jumped into Milestone, which is a huge, you know, groundbreaking thing for him. But he had been in comics a few years before that. Right. Yeah. He had been uh, an editor, assistant editor at Marvel in his 20s and then started writing for them around 1989. And I was a young kid just getting into comics at that time. And, and uh, in the intro, Zach had mentioned Damage Control. Yeah. And that is one I picked up as a kid. Mm-hmm. And uh, just to give a you know, brief description of Damage Control, it's a workplace comedy set in the Marvel Universe. We see them you know, briefly, just a piece of them in, in Spider-Man Homecoming, where Tyne Daly plays a picture-perfect casting of the the ceo of damage control straight out of the comics uh, right Anne marie hogue looks just like her yep uh from page to real life but their their business was headquartered in the Flatiron building in new york they were a contracting company whose sole job was to clean up messes made by superheroes and villains and they were kind of mercenary because they had contracts with everybody. Like they had contracts with the Avengers, with Stark, with Dr. Doom. Like they would clean up the, the Latvian embassy if it needed cleaning up. Like they didn't care. It was money. Right. They didn't ask questions. Right. <laughs> and and it, it's just funny that, that, you know, it's way ahead of its time when nobody was doing any kind of like sitcom-y stuff with superheroes. And, and yeah. we get that later. Yeah. So lots of people jumped on that later. Mm-hmm. But this was 1989 that that he came up with this idea. I believe he was 27 at the time. If I if I did the math right on his age at the time, and like I loved this book mm-hmm. <laughs> when I was a kid. So it was funny like seeing a name much later and being like, oh, like he did this thing I loved. 
<laughs> yeah. And, but the book was fun. The book was a lot of fun. It had a like huge cast of characters. So there was always, you know, office workplace hijinks going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, my, my experience was exactly the same thing. Like, you know, I, I, I had seen his name enough si- similar to like when I discovered Paul Dini, where like, I just noticed like, Oh, this, this name happens to be on a lot of the episodes that are my favorite for like justice league and stuff like that. So that's when I learned his name mm-hmm. and then, yeah. And then went back and then was like, Oh, but like he created static. Like my brother loved that book. And like, <laughs> like he did this, he did that. What? Like my brother was a big Deathlock fan too. Like I remember he was like, he did so the one he did, the one he did with Dennis Cohen. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Right. And I was like, he did that too. Oh man. That's nuts. Yeah. Um, was that Deathlock most like the one they did on agents of shield? fairly close because this one the the death lock that they did together was it was kind of the idea of what do you do when you pair a a, a, like you know death lock was in originally a future you know a a look ahead kind of like a a, a where super soldiers would go to right right like with captain america we obviously had world war ii but then the death lock was kind of like a step a couple decades ahead okay and but the main idea of the book was like what happens if you put a pacifist with a in the body of a of a uh, of an insane, you know, killing machine. What right. happens then? Okay. And it's this whole thing of like, and it's one of those things where you have a lot of, and it was, and, you know, I don't know if it's the first place I saw it, but it was a lot of, you know, a person speaking with, you know, in the inner dialogue with the computer. I mean, granted, you got it with like Professor Stein and then, mm-hmm. and, and, um, Ronnie Raymond, but at the same time, it was, this was definitely like a moment of, you know, the computer <laughs> trying to, you know, trying to argue, like, no, 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 don't kill everyone. <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing, <laughs> you know, and I think there's even an issue where, the character's son tries to take Deathlock to show and tell, like that kind of thing, where it was, okay. you know, played off the absurdity of some of it. But yeah, that, I mean, that was that was Deathlock was one that he did with Dennis Cohen, who also was part of um part of Milestone. So yeah, so it was just funny, like his name would just kind of pop up for me, and then and then later after Justice League had wrapped, and I was and I was a fan of his. Um, going into Ben Ten for a second, like like I always liked the concept, but I was never into the to the original show. That much I didn't watch. I just thought it was a neat idea. Mm-hmm. But word came when they were doing that first like kind of revamp of it when they were doing Alien Force and and the shtick was that they were aging everybody up like five years, so they were like teenagers and stuff. And and I was kind of intrigued by that, so I was like, let me let me, you know, I'll just check it out. And then so I like I watched one and then I watched another one, and before I know it, like I'm watching it a bunch of times. And then Clifton, like I think. You know, one of the times like we went out to dinner or something like that on Friday, I was telling you, like, I, like I'm getting kind of into Ben 10. Right, right. Like, you know who's doing it? And, you're like, and I'm like, it's Dwayne McDuffie. Mm. And we were like, what? <laughs> we're like, yeah, I had no idea he was on this. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, but I mean, it's like I fell in love with his stuff in Justice League, though. Like, I mean, yeah, Justice League Unlimited, which is, you know, again, like I, I, I'd kind of gotten away from sort of the Batman the animated series and Superman stuff surprisingly i know i know you guys don't believe me but there was a point where like i wasn't watching that stuff when it was when it was getting made and i got back into it around justice league season two mm-hmm. frank when you were like you were like no no no, Justice League really good you should check it out yeah, oh, <laughs> so yeah. i started getting into it and then like like the star crossed event mm-hmm. was what like, i was like oh my god like <laughs> like this is yeah. awesome yeah yeah i mean he wrote like i mean you know i mean i don't remember like i'd love to talk about star cross but like he wrote a fair amount of, again, like another. Looks like another one, two, three, four, eight. He wrote episodes, eight episodes of the original season of Justice League, with Starcross yeah. being the thing that he wrote. So basically, he wrote another eleven episodes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
John Ridley did an episode of Starcross also. Just throwing it out there. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah. He did, he did like, I think part two or something like that. Okay. Which was, a, which was another one, which really quick. So, sorry. So really quick. Cause, cause I know John Ridley was also producer on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air for a little while. Ah. Also. Right. And eagle eyed fans of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air will know when Will and Carlton move into the pool house, you could <laughs> see the milestone books framed on the wall ah. by the door. <laughs> Very cool. Like, I, I remember as a kid noticing, I'm like, that's that book my brother's reading, right. like on the wall back there. I'm like, oh, okay. And then it wasn't later that I'm like, oh, okay. I guess that there was a connection. I guess they knew each other. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe it was just, you know, representing the good stuff at the time. So, yeah. But no, he wrote, I mean, he wrote um, Brave and the Bold, Fury, Metamorphosis Part Two, Maid of Honor, The Terror Beyond. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, I love Terror Beyond. <laughs> Hereafter, which is another good one. That's yeah, it's a great one. <laughs> <laughs> and then um what's the other one? Hereafter, Wild Cards. Mm-hmm. You know. How could you have a problem with that one? And then because uh, it sets up some stuff for later. And Starcross. Yeah. And then he wrote Starcross. So Right. I of all of those, I'd I'd have to say Terror Beyond's the one that's got the is that the one with, with Grundy? Yeah. That's the one yeah. where they're doing kind of the Marvel Defenders thing. With, okay, uh, that's what I thought. With, with Grundy yeah. and Dr. Fate and Aquaman. And yeah, and Hawkgirl is sort of like the Valkyrie slash Nighthawk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's a good one. It's a really good one. Yeah. And Wild Cards obviously is what? Royal Flush Gang? Yeah, that's the Royal Flush Gang, but like also the the like the Las Vegas like real time. Oh, the bomb. Uh, and- with Joker where Joker like set, sets up the bombs and kind of like runs the whole league like like rampant like trying to find them Ah, uh, okay yeah. yeah no that's a good one too but that's a two part is that the second part or is that just standalone i forget i forget which is i forget ha- how that one breaks down like that i feel like i th- i think the real time episode is the first one okay right and then that's when you when you start getting like when you start seeing like how powerful ace is oh yeah yeah it's part one of the two yeah. part. Is it part one yeah it's part okay. one Gotcha. Yeah, Fury's good. I like Fury too. I mean, all those episodes are really good. Yeah. I mean, as much as I like them, you know, as much as I think, and I mean, you can't argue with Starcross. I think Starcross is one of the best animated things they've done for that for the the Timverse stuff. You know, I mean, it's the first time the League finds out each other's identity, and there's all the stuff between John Stewart and and uh, Shaira. And then there's all the you know the invasion and and the fight at the end is really good. So yeah. Yeah, you you had given me tapes of a Savage Time and and the the premiere episode, right. and and I, and I was like, okay, that's cool. And then I caught Hereafter when it aired. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh man, that's a really good one. That's like kind of the their their Death of Superman take, yeah, uh, two part episode, which is one that McDuffie wrote. And that was the right. I was like, wow. Okay, so like the right. stuff on the tape you gave me, I, I was I was like impressed, and it kind of wet my whistle. And then like hereafter really impressed me. And then Starcross was the one that like I I, I made time for. Like, <laughs> right. I, like I I recorded it myself. I like I did the whole like I got to get home. Like mm-hmm. you know this Justice League show. Like I'm getting into it, and, and you know season two finales like is tonight. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, I, just talking about hereafter. Hereafter is also the one. Is that the one that's got the the Superman Revenge Squad open? Yep. Oh, love that yeah, so much. I know. Oh man, hereafter so awesome. 
it's such a like bronze age idea the the superman revenge squad but i love it i love the idea of them teaming up to do that and then it turns out to be yeah that's, god so good yeah and then the, the, the again oh oh but the starcross starcross is is like you said it's it's an event it's a you know they touted it on cartoon network as being you know this culmination of everything from the beginning and you find oh and you find out you know about what the plan was for earth from the and yeah it's it's so good and it matter the other thing about it is it has huge ramifications for everything going past that yep it does you know? yeah no it's you know? terrific yeah and then and so like they end that thinking that's going to be their last episode then they get picked up right for 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 season three mm-hmm. air quote season three but it gets kind of relaunches just league unlimited and now it's like a half hour show they're not doing the two-parter thing and then that's when we're getting the start of the cadmus stuff right speaking of which but taking a detour away from that who so earth uh the justice league standalone earth 2 who wrote that do we remember who wrote that what uh the better world a better world episodes? No, no, no. I'm talking about like the actual like standalone direct to direct to home, the one the the one with the the, the crime syndicate, the Crisis on Two oh. Earths. Is that what it was? Yeah, called? Crisis on Two yeah. Earths. No, yes, that was him. You. That was McDuffie. You wrote that too. Okay. Yeah, that was him. Because I think it's important that we because you know we, we mentioned that because you can see like it it's sort of is supposed to be the the bridge between those two seasons, right? Yeah, because it's exactly. one of those things where it you know and just I mean, you know as we're talking about Just League and Just League Unlimited. Because the league starts to expand in that movie after they deal with this, you know, this evil, you know, Earth <laughs> counterparts from, you know, from Earth Two or Christ is Christ is it Earth Two or Three? Is Earth Two in that one, right? I, I think, think they Earth call two. it Earth Two because they're playing off of the Morrison Quitely Earth Two, with yeah. okay. what used to That's be the the villain Earth became and, and used to be Earth Three became Earth Two, right? But yeah, this is just to clarify. We're talking about Justice League Crisis on Two Earths, the straight to dvd movie released in 2010 from D- warner brothers right. animation right because yeah i think that's you know and i don't know if everyone knows that that that's why i, was, I thought that he wrote it but i wasn't sure but i think that's very important to mention the idea that it's sort of it's it does fit and it doesn't fit because there are elements of things that i don't think quite work for a right. they, they they did some tweaking to it so my understanding was is that so you you get star cross star cross ends the show gets picked up they go right into Justice League Unlimited, and then and then that's when they have the idea. They're like, "Let's we're going to use like everybody now." Right, right. It's like a DC show. It's not, you know, you're going to have the Justice League is now like 52 members, and you're going to get like a member of the original seven as kind of like an anchor character for each episode. Then it's going to be kind of like a guest star thing. So you have like Captain Adam, or you'll have Supergirl, or you know, the question in this episode, right? Right, right. And then sort of, and so my understanding is is that. They were supposed to do a straight-to-video movie that was supposed to take place in between the two seasons to explain, like, why suddenly they, their ranks, like, <laughs> swelled. swelled and why it's a new watchtower and right. stuff like that. And so the script that came out of that was what ultimately became Crisis on Two Earths. So when they, were, when they started doing the straight-to-video series movies, hmm. they took okay. that script and I think sort of repurposed it to try and make it a little bit more of a standalone thing to not be connected to to justice league, but you can see like the strings there, mm-hmm. right? You can still see the pieces. Yeah. You can still right. see the pieces where like, it doesn't look like justice league. It does. It's right. It's not designed to, to, to really be that, but you could see where it would be a connective movie. Right. You know, and it's a great movie. Right. Right. Well, that's the other thing is it's really, really, <laughs> yeah. it is really good. And that's the other yeah. thing I was just about it was the idea that, you know, I'm not sure everyone's aware of the fact that, they were, you know, it could have been our bridge from, from Just League, Just League Unlimited, but yeah, 
but getting back to Unlimited, um, I mean, he wrote, you know, one, two. Oh, he, he's all over this, the, the Cadmus stuff. He also wrote the sequel, which is um, Doom. Yeah, it's another one yeah. from that 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 timeline. Yeah, or timeline, I should say, because um, yeah. he adapted the story Tile Babel from Mark Wade, right. which was loosely based mm-hmm. on. Right. He's also credited for that as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a bad one. I like that one. Yeah. It's another one that uses the Royal Flesh game as gang as like the opening <laughs> bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and then tosses them away. So, but overall, but, but I really enjoyed what you're getting into. Um, Just League Unlimited was the fact that I loved how McDuffie was able to use all of the DC universe in ways that weren't represented as nearly as it was in the past. Right. I mean, he does when, when the limited debuts, Dwayne McDuffie uses an extraordinary amount of diverse characters from the league, despite the time period of when they came from in order to introduce, I mean, isn't that the first time we get task force X in which he wrote in animation? Yeah. 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 Which uh, I would Mm -hmm. argue say it it brings forth at least the idea of the suicide squad to animation. Right. Yeah, yeah. They obviously don't use the name. No, yeah. but they couldn't. They couldn't use the name Suicide Squad. But yeah, right, right. It was, it was a different time. For those of you yeah. who don't realize, there were there were stuff before the current Harley Quinn Suicide Squad stuff. Yeah, um, he's story credit on that, I believe. But that was a Darwin Cook mm-hmm. script, right? Episode. And I remember there's a special feature on Justice League Unlimited where he talks about that episode, and he was saying like that episode because the first the first draft of the script was kind of um what you would expect it was kind of like like a third third person omniscient take on it right and then it was like the second draft was where they had the idea like oh like what if we do it from the bad guy's perspective Mm. right and then so he was like that was the best yeah like improvement from first to second draft like he'd ever seen on the show like it's almost like a heist movie for yeah yeah for the for the task force x yeah and you get some callbacks to characters that we had seen like momentarily, like Floyd Lawton. <laughs> you know, he has a throwaway bit in season one where he tries to kill Aquaman. Yeah. Right? That was that yep. was the target. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with Tommy. There's a lot of characters, much like that with um a lot of the heroes, there's a lot of characters that we don't normally see in animation or you know. Um, I think like it, like the first one on the list is Ultimatum. And again, it's it's an attempt to to get in those those characters from from uh, Super Friends. <laughs> that right. That didn't really. That's the one I'm thinking of, right? Ultimatum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whether you basically yeah. have the the characters that were, um, and it's again, it's a meta moment where they're you know they've cloned, right? That's the, that's the background, right? And it's basically like you've got the Wonder Twins and Apache Chief and uh, Samurai, Black Vulcan right. Samurai, yeah. yeah, going against the League, which was a nice bit. But he brings Static in the um, in the yeah. Chronos two parter. Yeah, the once a future things. Which for me, that was, that was, I had kind of like tangentially had known that there was a Static Shock show. Right. But I wasn't watching it at the time. He's like I said, I wasn't, I wasn't watching Batman. I wasn't watching Superman really at the time. I watched a little bit of Batman Beyond as it was on, but I kind of like, I kind of like took, took a bit away from that stuff for a little while. And Static had like kind of come and gone in that period. Mm-hmm. Right. And then and then so I remember so you get to the Batman Beyond like future episode of that two parter and statics there, like static as an old man. Right. And I remember going to you, Frank, I'm like, Static? Is it? And then you were like, Oh yeah, like no. Like he Static Shock like crosses over right. with like well, Batman. There, <laughs> well there's a point. Yeah, because like, there's there's um 
if I remember correctly, there's a Batman team up, a Superman team up, a Green Lantern team up, like uh, with uh, John Stewart. And then I want to say there's like a league team up with Static. Mm-hmm. And I remember like I'd watched some of the show, but I didn't watch it regularly. The actual, the, the, the was it uh, Kids WB show? Yeah. I watched it here and there, but I definitely, like I remember going to a, a con and getting a bootleg of all the episodes <laughs> with the Justice League in them or the, the DC, like regular, D, like all the DC heroes teaming up with Static. So that's like how I knew all the background of that stuff. So it was, I knew when I saw it, I was like, oh, well, this makes sense because they've got this established thing that it's part of that universe where they've crossed over. Yeah. If any of this sounds cool to you listeners out there, all of this is on HBO Max. Now, yeah. Static Shock, go- Justice League, Bat- like all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, go check it out. Yeah, it's awesome. Because the, the other, well, the other thing about it is, is, um, is this the first place that we get Jonah Hex? Uh, no, I mean, so he's in Batman, the animated series. Oh, that's right. You're right. Right. No, yeah, that's yeah. right. But, but so it's, we get him back in that wild west episode, mm-hmm. which, which you get, you get sort of like an allusion to the fact he had traveled through time also. Right. Yeah. Cause he recognized yeah. immediately that, uh, John Stewart and wonder woman are from the future. Yeah. Yeah. He has no problem recognizing that. That's a good bit. But yeah, there's that one with Kronos. And then there's also like, th- th- that's the weird Western tales, which is part one. And then time warped is part two. And that's the one where they go to the future and it's old man static. And then you see, get to see, uh, Batman meet old man Bruce Wayne, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And there's a, there's a scene with three Batmans <laughs> in it right. at one point. It's old man Bruce. It's present day Bruce as Batman and Terry as Batman. Right. So yeah. yeah, you have, so you have that great bit of, of, uh, of Kevin Conroy being Batman and old man Bruce Wayne. And then, like you said, uh, Will Friedel yeah. as, as Terry, which is fun. Yeah. Great stuff. Really, yeah. really good stuff. No, and like, and like that stuff is really like, the moments also where like all of that Bruce Tim stuff starts to get like stitched together. Like there's a mm-hmm. little bit of call back to Superman and Batman beyond, but like justice league unlimited is like really where it starts. Like, no, no, it's all together. And we're going back to everything, mm-hmm. which, you know, which was like, like, you know, my understanding too. listening to them talk on that, on that special feature, like some of it was just kind of like, like dumb luck. <laughs> that like some some of it was like absolutely planned out but some other things were sort of like as as themes kind of revealed themselves they kind of thought that like oh wait like we did this one episode and we can kind of call back to that and that would fit right like right yeah oh yeah when you get all the cat like the cadmus stuff definitely um and the idea like bringing in amanda waller and all that stuff when they start to put the when they start to put all the pieces in place and like you said when they call back to what was the is it Hunter's Moon? Is that the animated Batman episode I'm thinking of? Which one? Uh, Moon of the Wolf? Yeah. Yeah. The Dr. Milo stuff? That's it. I'm thinking of Dr. Milo. I couldn't remember yeah. Dr. Milo's name. And, then, and that's a nice callback to stuff that like, you know, Dr. Milo, of all the characters you could possibly get from <laughs> Batman, the animated series, Dr. Milo's the one you pull? Yeah. yeah but, it no, was right. cool to, but it was cool to see that, you know, when, when they show that table, like they show the two co- contrasting tables. Of, of the league and then the cabinets group of Eiling, you know, John Eiling and, 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 uh, Amanda Waller. And then, yeah. Him. Yeah. Dr. From, Milo. Um, Doomsday sanction. Awesome ah. episode. One of my favorites. It's a great one. Yeah. yeah it's a terrific, terrific episode. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, 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 it's definitely one of those. Yeah. That, that's the whole thing of, yeah. Superman. I mean, how can you beat Superman fighting Doomsday in a volcano? I know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like when you just no, talk about it, like, cool imagery I, like it's hard to be that one and then you get the whole you know i took a bullet for you yep you know i don't want to spoil everything for everybody but you know i mean granted this is stuff from you know 
a while back, which is weird to think of. But um, yeah, that's a great one. I love Doomsday Sanction because again, yeah. it's a it's a moment where like you see that oh no, the, the the stuff that's been happening to the league is orchestrated. Yeah, it's pushing twenty years ago for some of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. but no, yeah. if you guys get the chance to see Static, uh, you can clearly see Dwayne McDuffie writes tangentially like uh, a time setting between Static there and Static Future Static. Because in those episodes, mm, yeah. if you could uh, recount or get the chance to watch, you'll see he it's he shows the time in which Virgil is introduced to the league in the Watchtower, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. their interaction with um, the league presents itself in which it shows that he'll be part of the league. Because at one point he saves the league from Brainiac. Ah, uh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. That's in the, one of the crossovers, yeah. right? And they make mentions to what happened in Superman the Animated Series, in which uh, Batman deals with Brainiac in those episodes mm. for nighttime right right yeah. uh, so it he what's nice is Dwayne McDuffie kind of gives breadcrumbs to what happened before right. but by presenting future static it, it's a callback to the people who watched static shock in its last season yeah, before right. it uh it, it was canceled yeah he definitely he definitely one of the things I always liked about him was he always he would always do it, take that deep dive on stuff mm-hmm you know, like I said, the Superman Revenge Squad is a good example. Mm-hmm. Um, what's another good one? Um, like I said, like the stuff that Tax Force X, the idea that, you know, um, just using that name, like not everyone knows that that the Task Force X is what Suicide Squad really, you know, that's like where that comes from. Not everyone's going to mm-hmm. know that. He did all uh, all the all your favorites he did. Like he does um, yes. Question Authority, Hunter's Moon. Yep. I yeah. mean, uh, it, it's insane. Uh, he did Epilogue. Panic in the side, the yeah. rider we fall. I mean, he's the one that uh, gave us what Captain Marvel versus Superman, which is Clash. Yeah, Clash, Clash. which Clash. was presented from um, Kingdom Come, and that, and he like yeah. readapts it for animation to make people who didn't read the book see how spectacular fight between Captain Marvel and Superman would be. You know, yeah. yeah. One of the things I love about that one is the fact that we get to see Superman be jealous. Yes, mm-hmm. like, and not and not in a, like a Silver Age Lois Laney type, you know way it's definitely like he's very human in that book yes. or not in that book in that episode like that's not something we don't always get with superman yeah. superman's supposed to be like the the paragon of of heroics and in this one it's like well no next is captain marvel you know you you your flaws stick out yeah it, it may be one of the ultimate testaments to how good Dwayne mcduffie was is because the story has it is that like bruce tim had been wanting to do like a captain marvel superman fight forever like going back mm-hmm. to superman the animated series Right. Like it'd been talked about for so long and he was just like, you know, we just never had a story that that seemed like worthy of it. Like, you know. Right. <laughs> you know, d- just mm-hmm. just was it just like like a big fight. And then fast forward to Justice League when they're doing like all this Cadmus stuff and everything like that, like, you know, with all the stuff that, that McDuffie's helping create with, with the other producers and the other writers. It's sort of like that that became the moment of like, yes, this is a perfect time to do him and Captain Marvel because it's it's like like you were saying, you get to see Superman jealous, but you can also kind of see like like where how far Superman had come, mm-hmm. you know, with all of this stuff. And then suddenly you have you have somebody who's a Superman like character who still has all the purity and all the innocence that Superman had had at one point. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's an awesome episode. Yeah. No, I love that one. That was really yeah. really good. I just remember the, one of my favorite bits is the bit with Captain Marvel just walking to the watcher and be like, "Hey, hi." How you going? <laughs> hey, man, I love that thing. You know, just it's just such a it's such a nice representation of Billy as as Captain Marvel. That again, 
not everyone, you know, not everyone gets or adheres to, which I thought was great. Right. But yeah, we ta- Tommy, you said something about question authority. Yeah, he also wrote that as well. Mm-hmm. Question authority might be might be like my like honestly might be my favorite episode of Just League Unlimited ever. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> What's the the synopsis on this one? Uh, basically, it's it's the um, the arc that concludes the arc, right? Is that what I'm thinking? And it's it's basically the idea that the question figures that the only way that he can avert the Justice League becoming the Justice Lords because it's it's a you know it's an idea that. Superman finally has enough of Luthor and Luthor's present mm-hmm. and then he kills Luthor. Right. Mm-hmm. They'd seen like visions of, of a Justice League gone too far in another world or something. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In a parallel universe. Yeah. yeah. When they meet the Justice Lords. Yeah. And that, and then question kind of uncovers that mm-hmm. and begins to theorize that it may not necessarily be another world. It may be like a time loop that they're in. Right. And the, be, events, yeah, but- and the events that they're on might be carrying them towards sort of like this super superhero like arm race that's gonna like lead the world to armageddon okay yeah. yeah yeah basically it's like no no i've actually seen not a possible future i'm seeing the future and therefore i decide that he decides that he has to kill luthor yes mm. <laughs> and yeah. again it's one of the things where you get a pretty like there's that there's a pretty brutal torture scene yeah the question. Well, yeah mm-hmm. question being tortured there's also the stuff about where he's got the you know the conspiracy board you know on his wall yeah. and then there's the um the whole thing about eyelets which i love <laughs> Aglets, yeah. Then there's also what uh, the reveal that Emil Hamilton, the Superman's Supergirl's clone with Power Girl, yeah, Galatea. That was the reveal too. In that, there's yeah. so much going on in that episode in which uh, McDuffie oh, weaves in it. a lot of um, lore. Yeah, and again, yeah, it's another deep dive into like stuff that you know. If you don't know, you know, again, if you know your DC history and you know the DC animated history, it's a huge payoff for a lot of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Which was, again, so, like, they did that first episode with the question where you meet Galatea, and Mm -hmm. it's with, like, Green Arrow on the question, and Supergirl, and they had had question kind of as the kook and sort of researching just a bunch of different conspiracies and stuff like that, and then they had kind of had had the idea of, like, oh, like, what if it's all, like, one conspiracy Mm -hmm. that that he's going into, right? Yeah. But he also, yeah, he wrote that, he wrote Flashpoint. Question authority is really is is a really really good one. So I I have a bit of a story about this, and it, it's gonna sound it's gonna sound name droppy for a second, but good. There there was a point, you know, because that that where I I I wanted to be an an animation writer, and there was a point where like I I wanted to find reference scripts out mm-hmm. there, and there weren't really like I couldn't find much of anything. Like you know, occasionally you would buy like a book, and there would be like one in there. So I had mm-hmm. like all these other questions about about writing and I wanted to see stuff like practically on paper. And one night I'm kind of searching around the, on the webs on, on the internet. And this is when I knew Dwayne McDuffie's name and held him as a writer, very high regard at this point. And I found an old website of his that had like a contact email. Right. And I was like, well, like, okay, I just take a shot in the dark. Cause so I, you know, sent him this email. Like I'm an aspiring writer, blah, 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 blah. I'm looking at, you know, stuff uh, for reference and everything like that. Had no idea if he checked it, <laughs> if he checked the website anymore, right. right? I had no idea if it was still like an active account. I just kind of shot it out there. Um, within two hours, <laughs> two, I right. get an email back from him with, he sends me seven documents. Wow. Right. And just, just like, you know, the, the message in there is just like, you know, just don't, 
just don't put them up, don't sell them, or which I haven't, and I haven't. Mm-hmm. Like you know, right. just you know, they're just they're just for me. I just have them to sort of to to go through. But he had sent me mystery in space, wake the dead, question authority, which I read yesterday mm-hmm. preparing for. I actually read the script. Right. Um, the once and future thing, part one, the weird western tales. Okay. I am legion. And then he sent me outlines for Panic in the Sky and Doomsday Sanction, which this is wow. really cool for me because in the in his email, he had said, he's like, this is just stuff that I have on the computer right now. He's like, I accidentally put some outlines in there uh-huh. and I was going to take them out, but I decided like, but I thought like, no, that may help you out. So I decided to include them. And that to me, like, that is one of the most kindest things, which I mean, it's, it's like, it's for a second. But right. in like in that instant, that message right there, I was going to pull him out, but I decided to leave him because I thought they might help. I'm like, wow. In that moment, he's thinking about like my. Like, you know, progression. Right. <laughs> as a yeah, writer no. for an instant. And I'm just like, no. it's so wonderfully like kind of him. <laughs> right. And so it's so like I so I read question authority weirdly because you're talking about it. that was the one I read last night. Mm-hmm. Like. There's such an efficiency with his writing in the like in the action, like it's so clear and concise what he's doing. Right. But there's such an economy of words there. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I like I said, question authority might be of all of it. I mean, I know right. there's a lot. I know, I, you know, you know full well. I don't have to tell you, you know, <laughs> how much how much I love Justice League Unlimited. So it's one yeah. of those things, you know, but that one might be my favorite of all of them. But. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, Panic in the Sky, he wrote Flashpoint, you know, I mean, there's just like he wrote, he pretty much writes that entire arc, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's those guys in, you know, in a a writing room where they're breaking story and stuff like that. But yeah, I mean, he was story editor for it also, which, so he was reading all the scripts as they were coming in and kind of giving notes on them, Mm -hmm. you know, no, he was, he was awesome. And then, and then, so like another quick story uh, uh, for, for, for me personally was. You know, there was a point where I was thinking about like my progression as a writer, and I'm like, I can only get so far, like kind of being self-taught. Right. And so I was, I was entertaining for a while. Like maybe I want to go back to school because I'd like study like TV and film, but I'm like maybe I want to go back to school and get like, you know, an English degree in in creative writing and stuff, and get like a minor in creative writing. And and I was um, I was literally writing my college essay to be admitted in the fall, mm-hmm. right? And my girlfriend came by who was, you know, now my wife and she was helping me like edit, edit this college essay that I was going to submit. And that was literally the day that Dwayne McDuffie passed. Mm. <laughs> it was like, I'm writing my college essay to try and be a better writer. I'm like, that's the day I found out about it. I'm like, wow, this is so weird, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So Frank, you got any, anything else? No, the only thing I like the, the thing I did want to talk about was um I mean we, we we were remiss without talking about the great brain robbery. Okay, no, no, go for it. You know, I'm just looking at the list of stuff, and again, I, you know, I'm I'm always blown away about the amount of stuff that he did. And the great brain robbery is one that I that I also love mm-hmm. because it's just a you know, and it's in it's in um, that one, and and we'll talk we can talk a little bit about to another shore. But the great brain robbery is just the idea that you have, you know, it's 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 Clancy, and then you have Michael Rosenbaum switching bodies, you know, Lex and and, and Wally West Flash. Right. It's a freak. It's a Freaky Friday, <laughs> right? Um, situation. So th- and this this is like in the Legion of Doom spot. Season, so this is like season yeah. five, right? Right. Yeah. Okay. 
And you yeah. get the great, I mean, it, what I remember we talked about at the time, uh, Zach, was the fact that how quickly Lex picks up on what he can do as the Flash. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, there's no learning curve for him at all. It's immediate, like, oh, I could do this. You know, he starts <laughs> doing things. And then the fact that, that Wally, as, you know, Rosenbaum being Lex in, in the anime Lex when he was also Lex on Smallville, the idea that he's just so terrible at being a bad guy or being a villain, <laughs> you know, it's so, it's such a, I mean, Again, McDuffie wrote such great, like, you know, like, you know, pathos and, 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 and drama and action, but he also wrote really funny stuff too. Like, I mean, we talked about damage control, but this is definitely one of those when I think about funny stuff that he wrote, for me, it's always a great brain robber. Yeah. No, that's, that, that's a real standout too, which, which, which I love also. Like, like, like we were saying that, like, just the idea that Luthor's head in Flash's body, like, Flash becomes a weapon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. his body's oh, a weapon. Immediately. With, with Luthor, like, like, you know, at the controls, it's yeah. nuts. Like, right. But it is one of those, like, kind of like, duh, like, of course it would be that way. Right. <laughs> right. Well, but again, not everyone, not everyone would pick up on that. And I think that's one of the brilliant things about McDuffie is like, yeah. he got characters so well and understood stuff so well like that, you know, for me. And again, I, I was talking, I mentioned just now a little bit about, um, to another shore and to another shore is great. I like that one. Cause it's a wonder woman standalone. You get King Faraday, which is great. Again, a character that, you know, people know, but they don't know him or they don't use him a whole lot. And then the other thing is just that, that animated sequence. It looks like Kubert, Joe Kubert work. That's the Viking Prince, right? Oh, right. That is that episode. Yeah. 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 That one yeah. to me, I love, I love that one as well, because again, it's just a slice of DC stuff that, you know, we never really get. Um, even, even when we get to like the Tucker, um, like the brave and the bold, we don't really, as a character, we don't really get that character involved. You know, that's like the only yeah. place we've ever seen him. But finally, I we you know I don't think we can stop without talking about Destroyer. Right. Sure. The 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 actual finale, the last episode of Justice League Unlimited. Yeah. 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 The actual finale. The fact that you know that that one to me is again another one where you've got so many some great Superman moments. There's a great Luthor moment in it. There's the fact that the, the the I always get excited about the idea of you know of of Lex and Superman and Batman all running to the <laughs> all running to the teleport pad, knowing they're going to go take on Darkseid. Right. Yeah. You know, you know, it's one of those it's one of those things when I think about the DC, you know, the DC movies slate stuff where I'm like, you guys, why don't you guys look at this stuff? Like this yeah. is the stuff that fans they get fans, you know, it's like the moment with Mjolnir in Endgame. That's the kind of stuff that people want. They want those big moments and, you know, consistently Dwayne McDuffie delivered that stuff to Justice League Unlimited. Oh yeah. Oh, like routinely. You know. And like and no, and I've said in past episodes, like I'm a DC fan because of Justice League Unlimited. And so that's mm-hmm. like that's like like if those guys if McDuffie and Tim and like hadn't been huge into like the history of DC like you know I would have never have known how cool that stuff was right you know that like I mean you get like like Spy Smasher in an episode that like <laughs> right yeah right now, <laughs> you know right. of all things sure like yeah. I don't know who that is as a kid right. but like but the fact that they but they they saw like a point to do it and I, and I feel like what is it? is that the the what is that is that the secret uh not the secrets. I'm, I'm, I want to say Secret Six, and it's not. It's not Secret Six. Help me. Which one? Which episode are you talking about? It's uh, it's the general when Eiling becomes the general. Oh, you're talking about the Seven Soldiers of Victory. Yeah, the, yeah, the Seven Soldiers. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which that one I believe was written by his friend. I think I think Matt Wayne wrote that episode. Yeah, it's a good episode yeah. too. But yeah, yeah that's it's a, good, a really I mean, good one. Yeah, Destroyer. I always I think you know as a finale. I think that one you know couldn't have gone out on a higher note. But I do have the question of was Epilogue at one point supposed to be their finale? Yeah. Yeah, so so going going back to Starcrossed, right? Every finale they thought was there was gonna be their actual last episode. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they just kept going. And they kept getting <laughs> yeah. renewed. <laughs> right. So like they got picked up for Justice League Unlimited. They did epilogue. And that's why epilogue's got like that bookend with the with the the airship that's supposed to bookend the way that the first episode of Batman the Animated mm-hmm. Series starts with right. Man Bat. Right. And so they put that in there because I thought like for sure we're done. And then and then they're like, <laughs> no one overknew us now. You want 13 more? Like <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good one too. I like all the stuff with Amanda Waller. <laughs> reveals that, that she you know throws out there and that's really good. Um I like what is the other thing? I like oh I love the bit with um and again I you could argue that that stuff is being played out now in the Batman Catwoman stuff that uh Tom King is doing, but it's the idea of you know keeping the phantasm stuff alive. Yeah. You know, it does a nice bit of tying that stuff together too. You know, a bit that you know I'm sure a lot of people didn't you know would wondered about I know they played with it in the comics and the, the comic adaptations of Batman Beyond and I think even in the regular Batman the animated series continued stuff, but hadn't really shown back up in the animation. So yeah, yeah. another great deep dive on stuff by Dwayne McDuffie. Yeah, he did do a run of Justice League after this, but um, he, yeah, he did. It's it, it's it's not bad stuff. Like at one point they bring in some milestone characters. At that point, DC and Milestone were, were um you know we're, we're thinking about trying to bring back the milestone characters and stuff. And like there's a Shadow Cabinet crossover bit with them. But it was one yeah. of things where I remember I remember reading at the time that a lot of it was um, McDuffie had all these ideas that he wanted to do. He did, wasn't really given creative free reign. Yeah. And then there was a lot of crossover stuff or a yeah, lot of event, 100%. a lot of event stuff. So he co- he comes on after the um, is it Brad Meltzer's Red Tornado stuff. Oh, after yeah, after the after yeah, he comes yeah, he, on he, after yeah, that. After. Uh, Brad Meltzer may have done another arc. I can't remember. Yeah, he does a couple. little fuzzy, but he comes on like right after that stuff. Right. But it's as DC is gearing up to do like all these stunts. Mm-hmm. And so every single one of his ideas from what, from what I could tell, you know, in, in doing research, it was, you know, he has this idea, but Oh, somebody in another book is doing this. Right. So that character's not available to him. So it was like, it, it just seemed like his hands were tied his yeah. entire run. Yeah. Of Justice lo- League, unfortunately. Yeah. He had some, he had, um, I remember there was something to do with, uh, What's the spider, the spider guy that weaves stories? I can't remember. And a Nazi, and a Nazi. But that was one of the stories that I remember. That we kind of get like these, um, kind of slices of Elseworld stories, if I remember correctly. It's been a while since I've read those books, but I remember liking it. It just was one of the things where it just felt you could tell that it was it was choppy because, of the, but it wasn't him because obviously he's not he wasn't that kind of writer, but. It just seemed like a lot of this, like we was talking about, a lot of the stuff was interrupted or derailed or pushed aside for other things that needed to be covered or ground that needed to be covered for other things. So, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. This, this run was around 2008 or so. And like mm-hmm. DC was going full tilt again with events. Cause we've had, we had an infinite crisis and we're going into right. final crisis and 52 and yeah, all sorts of stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of the frustrating thing to him for what I'd seen in interviews and stuff that it was like, like at one point, Justice League was the book you went to when you wanted to see all that big, mm-hmm. like, like, you know, not like, you know, just the big stories, the big, cool drag out fights and stuff like that. And then events started coming out and stunts yeah. and stuff. And that sort of like took the place. And so Justice League, the book got kind of in this weird, like no man's land where like they couldn't, he couldn't do anything. No, because like, and, and even, and even like, like he would, he would do, st- he, he would come up with like, like other ideas on the fly and then would, and then like his backup idea would then be like, oh wait, no, 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 you can't do that either because this thing that we told you 
Well, we're not doing that anymore. Yeah, there was a lot of that. Like somebody else is doing this now. (laughs) Well, there was a lot. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not pointing fingers, but there was a lot of these, a lot of stories where a lot of like writers who came out and said, no, I I completed a draft. I turned it in. It was approved. And then two days later, it'd be like, oh, no, no, you need to start from scratch again because we're doing something else. It's not this. Yeah. So, yeah, there was a lot of Yeah, no, I mean, not not casting blame. I just, I just understand that like, you know, that, 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 that could be frustrating and sure. But I mean from an editorial perspective too. I mean, like, God, I can't imagine what it's like to try and keep like all those plates in the air. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like, I yeah. mean, stunts are hard to do. They're hard to do well. Right. I think for that reason, it's a lot of moving parts. Yep. Yeah. So. All right. So to close out, I thought that we would each like recommend like a McDuffie piece that we really, really love. So we'll go ahead and do that. But first, if you like the show, you can check out all of our episodes on YouTube and let me know how it is.com. Just please. However you find us, don't forget to give us a like, subscribe, and leave us a review. Finally, if there's anything you would like to hear us discuss, you can leave a topic suggestion on Twitter or in the comments section. Our Twitter handles are show's initials at LMKHII. All right. Who wants to go first? Who wants to recommend the first McDuffie piece? I will. Okay. Mine is kind of broad. Oh, I think you're going to take mine, though. (laughs) Then you want to go first. (laughs) Yeah. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. I'll just say Justice League in general. He did uh, a great amount of contribution to it, but what stood out the most to me was his representation of um, John Stewart, yeah, and um, yeah. Vixen, yeah, yeah. Vixen was introduced to me through Justice League Unlimited, and other than Storm, really, uh, there, there's uh, uh, Amanda Waller. You don't get too many other black women in it. Mm-hmm. So I was surprised to see that depiction of such a character that made me look into it more. But the way McDuffie was able to bring forth characters to the forefront without making you feel that he's losing others in the background, like it never felt at one point where he was pandering. It almost felt natural when he included characters and it fit with the, with the larger story that he was trying to develop. Um, I wish DC had uh, continued the ball he, he started rolling. In that regards, especially with Milestone, mm. because they would have they could have systematically infused those characters to a larger goal instead of having to create new ones that have already been um, created, both um, including Marvel as well. He had a great vision or uh, he was a great visionary in what he in what he did and how he told his story and how he represented it. And you can see that just getting larger and larger with each new project he developed. Yeah. But for me, the shining one is um, Justice League Unlimited. Because it introduced him to being a great writer on a larger scale with the tools that he needed to tell it. And I'd argue to say that it, it's, it's arguably the best rendition of um, Justice League to date. I don't disagree. And that includes the Super Friends. Yeah, it includes the Super Friends, which I grew up on. Yep. And is it all available on HBO Max now? Yes, it is. Yep. It's all available on HBO Max So it's now. easy to go watch it all. Yep. Just binge it yeah. all. It's binge, great. Binge, binge. Yes. You did not Absolutely. take the one I was going to say. I thought for sure you were going to say Crisis on <laughs> nah. Two Earths. <laughs> no, no, no. I love it, but no, I, yeah. just, I see it as a whole. I love Crisis on Two Earths. That's going to be mine, which we talked about earlier. So it's just it's just a fantastic animated movie, which, you know, yeah. I mean, if you want if you want to watch Justice League, the show, uh, which you should, if you have it, it's great. Um, and then just kind of like keep that in the back of your mind as you're watching Crisis on Two Earths. So you can sort of see how it how it connects. But it's just like it's a well done movie the action is great you know the voice acting is really really great i think you know it's just it's just awesome top to bottom it's 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 my favorite of the three straight to video animated ones that he did 
which he did that and he did all-star superman and he did just league doom which we talked about and simple summary on crisis on two earths is it is the justice league versus the evil version of a justice league from an alternate reality yes and it's great yep. yes <laughs> i'm going to jump back to like the early days like i mentioned before damage control is something you can go look up if you want to see some of the earliest Dwayne mcduffie writing and it's a lot of fun ideas still it's not as polished as his later stuff but it, it's i think one of his first story credits uh from 1989 and like one of the issues has to do with the accountant from like the cfo of damage control having to go make Dr. Doom settle his bill, his outstanding mm-hmm. bill. And so you can just imagine the fun with that. <laughs> so that's a good one to check out. But I'm also going to jump ahead a few years to Static. I had never read Static when it was coming out. I had not ever mm. read the actual issues, despite being familiar with the cartoon, the animated series and everything. I had never actually read the issues until just this week when I wanted to get ready for this and see, you know, where some of the stuff started and they are apparently slowly adding them to online. So comiXology. And then I read them on DC universe infinite, which I think is what they call their, their comic service now. And the first three are up so far. It looks like they're adding possibly weekly. Cause I do see that Issues four and five are coming to Comixology soon if they're not already there. Mm. But like, I was really impressed, even even today, just going back and reading these issues that I never read before. Like, they are really well done, mm-hmm. and it is it is a big jump in in I think the polishness of his storytelling from 1989 of, of Damage Control to 1993. Uh, so yeah, like the early issues of Static were written by uh, Dwayne McDuffie and Robert L. Washington III with pencils by John Paul Leon, inks by Steve Mitchell, and colors by Noel C. Giddings, and also Hanny Kildgard for one of the issues. Mm. And I mean, the book looks great, but like it's just really good storytelling where they jump in in issue one with them going on, and then and then we get back to like how he got here in, in issue two, and, and they just do... Like they present it really well. It's it's edgier <laughs> than the cartoon right. for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's just like it just feels real. It feels authentic. It it's just really good books. That's that's interesting that you said that it goes back because I start I was reading Icon getting ready for this. Mm-hmm. And there was a and there was a bit in in either issue one or issue two, I can't remember, but it was they do one of those like, you know, like three days before. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm like, this is 93 when like nobody was doing it. Now that's on TV every night. <laughs> right. Now, now, right. It's a, now it's a thing. But back then, like it was definitely yeah. sophisticated. Yeah. And and for Static, the whole first issue happens where he's been active a while. And then it's not until the second issue that they're like, OK, here's how here's what happened before. And, and they do it in a, a very interesting way. And a lot of stuff happens fast in those two issues. Yeah got to check them all out yeah so that's my recommendation is go back and, and jump back in to see where where he started on in his early days yeah no I'm, I'm happy also that that stuff is popping up again because i mean for a while that stuff was not easy to find yeah no you know so it's nice that that you know dc appears to be to wanting to do stuff with with milestone now so frank what's yours i would choose icon that's what okay. i'm gonna go with as much as i love the others i think icon's the one that that um you know, it's a beautiful looking book. The the stories, Rocket's a great character. Um, not that Icon's not, but it's just the idea of 
you know, it's I like the idea of trying to make you know force someone to recognize their situation and what what more they can do with it, especially if it's you know a character that's supposed to be like their Superman. Mm-hmm. So I, those books are you know I was just looking through um, some of the early covers and some of the early interiors, and it's yeah it's just a great one. It's a lot of fun and it's a lot it's a good. I mean, it, it's it's even when you get to like some of the like the 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 black exploitation stuff, like Buck Wild and like Sister Jones, all that stuff is great too. So, right, yeah, definitely yeah. worth checking out. Icon, no, it's awesome stuff. This is what I want. I wish because now the animated movies have gotten to a point where, like, you know, Bruce Tim is doing a couple of projects, but not all of them anymore. And you know, and, and James Tucker's like shared universe is is wrapped up, and so they're kind of at a point where they're trying out new things. So you're getting a lot of like period, you're getting a lot of like Elseworlds, you're getting like Red Sun, Superman, Red Sun and Gotham by Gaslight and stuff. So they're trying stuff out. I, I want them to do like an icon movie or a static movie so bad. Sure, sure. <laughs> like, it would be fantastic. I mean, you know, as, as I said in another episode, I'm telling you the world, I mean, the world will fall in love with static if you, you know, just just do it. Just do a movie. Yeah. And, yeah. and do it and do it genuinely right <laughs> like right. you know and just you know it's all there the character the character the, the work itself will, will do all the work <laughs> you know yep yeah so oh Dwayne McDuffie yeah great writer great 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 creator anyway all right so everybody tell us your thoughts in the comments or you could tweet us what was your favorite Dwayne McDuffie story or creation and tell us why as always, we'll post links and examples to everything we talk about on letmenowhowitis.com. Please remember to like us and follow us on social media. Thanks for being here. We will see you next time. 